Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. So there's a lot going on. Jeff Carlin and I are sitting down talking. Trump is killing Biden by 10% in one poll that's driven everyone crazy on the left, particularly most of the media, and I'm sure media in Chicago as well. The border, he's failing on the border by 23%, and Donald Trump has a colossal 20-point lead over Biden with young voters. But that could be an outlier. Who knows? Because I, I was predicting a red wave last election and there was no red wave. So I I, I stand corrected, right? I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to you, Jeff. <laughs> no. Yeah, China, that sound is uh, the is liberal hair on fire. Democrats <laughs> are, uh, are having issues, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> to put it lightly... <laughs> I mean, the wheels have come off in a lot of places. And, you know, Chicago is everybody is seeing for what it is. Hopefully, um, <laughs> I, yeah, it doesn't look good for them in November. I'll, I'll say that. And it's funny because I I keep thinking about you know what's there out, and I keep hearing more and more rumblings of uh, Michelle Obama's name keeps popping up more and more in my search, like my uh, algorithm for Twitter and social media and stuff. Am I gonna? Am I gonna own? <laughs> Tom Bevan, like uh, a, a new car. I don't know. A dinner, yeah, yeah and a bottle of wine to make up for all the bottles of wine that he hasn't paid. Carl Cannon, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I I hope I that doesn't happen. But you know, Michelle could do worse. I mean, if she runs for president to save the Democratic Party, would this be the first time she was really ever truly proud of her country if she wins? And if she and if she doesn't win, well, she could go back to being the same mean Michelle, right? Uh, no, she's, she's go high, Michelle. Remember, they go low. Here we go. Oh high. yeah, she goes. High. Speaking of going high, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so Lenny Sweet, you know Lynn Sweet from the Sun Times. Sure, they- she did a typical Lynn Sweet story, which and I've known her for years. And as she's, as she's good people, good people. Pardon. She's good people. I've, I've, yeah, she's good she, people. We disagree on on policy sure. and stuff, but I, I've always liked her. I've always treated her professionally. And she had a, a story, a typical Lynn Sweet story about Tony Preckwinkle and Mayor Mayor J- Johnson. Right. She yeah. took a picture of Mayor Johnson and Tony Preckwinkle on the White House lawn. Okay, right. that's where it started, and. uh then evil John get in, got in the way. <laughs> yeah, so those of you who don't follow John on Twitter, you're, you're missing out, but this is great. Yeah, so evil John got in into it and wrote a snarky thing, and he did not give Lynn Sweet photo credit. I'm sorry, Lynn. I'm giving you full credit now. Here's what I wrote with oh, above the photo, which should have been uh, cropped differently. I'm just not saying, but I'm not a photo editor. <laughs> Here's what I said. They're both of them. You see Tony Preckwinkle standing there with the big feet and the big, uh, the big blue tweed suit, ill fitting right. suit as always. And there's Brandon Johnson 
in a dark suit because he needs to have authority. He's scared to wear, wear a light gray suit. But he's, he's brave be- enough to do brown shoes in the black suit, which I, I th- is still kind of <laughs> faux pas. I'm not going to say. <laughs> but the tweet is this. Isn't it nice that Chicago's mayor took his frail and elderly grandmama to the White House without Stacey Davis Gates? <laughs> and Im- immediately, Stacey Gates and all the lefties, because their heads started exploding, oh, S-T-F-U, John. And they, with pictures of Bozo the Clown or something like I don't. Li- he doesn't live in Chicago. He does. He right. lives in Indiana. You don't have to listen to him. Okay, fine. Okay, whatever. You know, you little lefties, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, cry, cry, you little snowflakes. But I'm not telling. I'm forcing them to write what I like. What I write. Right. Exactly. exactly. I'm just. I'm just tweeting like like uh like. Let's say I would be. I would be some union stooge on libs of tiktok you know <laughs> right you get stooge teacher on libs of tiktok making a a, a, a cocktail or something and doing a <laughs> doing a, a a video of it but stacy got upset now i don't have it in front of me because i really don't know how to use this <laughs> newfangled, newfangled tweet what did she say the internet john it's gonna stick around for a while yeah um, thank you so she responded this is uh, retweeted you so that was kind enough for a retweet since that's good yeah. for an engagement and it'll boost numbers uh but she, she retweets it with whose responsibility is it at the assisted living center to keep cash from making crank tweets which i have to admit is a very good tweet john very good stace my yeah, i'm I, tipping my hat to you bravo she oh, has bravo. a good sense good sense of humor and i i give her credit i just wanted only <laughs> i could add one thing when are you going to release the audit right what ctu one spent on the campaign and seriously on the and mysterious on building yeah yeah mysterious building that i thought was wasn't it supposed to go to um senior senior living for uh for for See, that's where senior living was on her on her mind. Right, exactly. It was supposed to be the senior retirement living for teachers. And mm. what happened to that whole thing? Did it disappear? I don't anyway, know. Yeah, hmm. I'll have to ask anyway, about that. In the yes, we will. But in the in the meantime, here's the problem, or maybe it's just a not a problem, but a an advantage, an opportunity. That is, this is Mutza of the month time. time. Yes, the sweetest time of the month. Oh, it's so sweet. So, Stacy, what the bleep? I don't know <laughs> yeah. what to say about that. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. That's all good fun, but she, it's ridiculous what she's doing. I mean, we this CTU it, it just hasn't answered any questions about. You know, where's the fund? Where's our money going? And why are they spending so much money on on candidates? And wait a second, and, and, are and, you and, actually trying to be a reporter here? <laughs> no. Because the the press corps, Chicago press corps, isn't interested in Lynn Sweet, for example, the uh, grand dame of the press corps, is uh, doing publicity stills for uh, for Maj- for Mayor Johnson and uh, <laughs> right, Tony Preckwinkle. Yeah. It's come true. on. I know that's true, and then I don't know what the Tribune is doing. You know who knows what they're doing. I'm sure they're touting the uh, SAG AFTRA, or not that SAG AFTRA, but the writer or um, writer's strike coming to a close, or 
touting the movement happening and the uh, labor strike with the auto workers. I mean, that's all they seem to cover right now. So that does, has nothing, re- no immediate balance. I mean, I know there's a uh, a production facility in Chicago, but that one is, is yet to be fully on strike. I don't really care about that. I, but I do care. I do that's care that fo- focusing on. I do care that I'm given a hat tip to Jason Meisner, who did a tr- tremendous uh, story on the twins who were involved with El Chapo Guzman, mm-hmm. uh, the narcotics dealer, and uh, it was superbly written and uh, researched meticulously and comprehensive, which is why Jason Meisner is one of that newspaper's best. Sure. It's not the best. Yeah. But uh, that still doesn't answer the question what to do about Stacy. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, she she puts herself in, in contention for uh, the moots of the month, not because of that tweet, but that tweet kind of sells it. Maybe she knew it was coming. Maybe she, you know, she could smell the cool this in the air and realize that September's coming to a close. And she was hoping to become the moots of the month because, I mean, it's been a big month for her with with the uh, her kid going to private school and uh, this debacle about the missing money and then no audits and the some yada, guy, yada, yada. somebody on Facebook. That's where I take the nominations. So mm-hmm. somebody on Facebook wrote, "It must be Stacy Davis Gates." And then here's a story to prove it. And then posted a Yahoo story okay. on Stacy. Stacy Gates, I said, well, maybe you could have tried this story, and I posted my own, but <laughs> then, I, then I didn't uh, engage oh, in selling. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And for those Got who don't it. know, the Mutsa is is John, the Golden Mutsa, John, the 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 backstory on the uh, the actual word, but the meat, the concept is that whoever's the biggest idiot of the month, right? I mean, that's that's the gist. Yeah, well, the Mutsa is a standard Greek insult which I don't want to get into, but other people who don't like me, or let's say people who are envious of me because I'm thin now, I'm skinny and rich because of all the subscribers and coming in and thousands of them coming over all the time. And one of those people, Eric Zorn, is a little upset. (laughs) And he's constantly, constantly saying, well, I don't know about, you know, under assumed names, assumed names of tw- Twitter, of Twitter identity. Right. So I don't know if it's him or Judge Dibbs. <laughs> right. Right. I remember when he claimed that Judge Dibbs, that Dibbs, how dare John Cass try to invent, claim that he invented Dibbs. And then it, he had to admit that I did. <laughs> but uh, but now he's saying that Mutsa is scatological and bring up scatological references because of what happened to prisoners who were, you know, paraded through the streets of Istanbul or Constantinople back in the day. I'm not going to get into such petty things. All I'm going to say is Stacey Gates, Brandon Johnson. Oh, but wait, what about Bob Menendez? Oh my gosh. King. Wait, what about the Mutsa for him? Uh, maybe Seriously. we should give Stacy Gates a break and uh, let her escape <laughs> because she's so she likes to play and have fun, and give it to Muta Menendez because what did he have? Five hundred thousand dollars in cash, loose cash in his house and car. <laughs> yeah. 
gold and bars, several right? gold bars. What the? <laughs> I mean, that's the funny. Thing. I mean, this guy. I mean, I feel like this is this is is Bob Menendez goes down part two, Electric Boogaloo. I mean, the first time oh. you know it was all held up on like a technicality, and it was Wait, it was he, he was he was indicted and tried, and then walked because it wasn't. Uh, they they couldn't find get a conviction, mm-hmm. but then you'd think after that, <laughs> clean up after that, that Cover maybe he, tracks. well maybe he wouldn't be you know playing that game like the foreign policy yeah. Senate chairman like uh, oh who was that other oh wasn't Joe Biden <sighs> Senate yeah. chairman of that what oh maybe I'm wrong maybe <laughs> I I don't want to get all the lefties give them God, all don't am- be spurious am- ammunition yeah uh. ammunition. Yeah, I, I mean that's the thing. This is a guy who, <gasps> walking, talking, you know, billboard for what's wrong with politics and people in politics. Wait, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you're they're running around now having a. They're they've just been pulled. The Democrats have been <laughs> yes, and the, they they're, they're on fire. They don't they don't like him. Their hair's on fire, and also, you know, they don't want they don't like the um, the. Uh, First Amendment. They don't want you to have freedom of speech. That seventy-five percent of them, or thirty-seven percent, whatever. I forgot the number now. I'm so confused with all this newfangled internet stuff. <laughs> that uh, a sizable proportion of them oppose well, well freedom of speech. So what? What can I say now that I'm speaking freely on my own? Oh my! Idea. It's it's bad. I see like this that that uh, Democrats are you know looking outside their front window and they see Republicans in their eyes on across like, across the street and they think they see the house is on fire and the grass is overgrown. And they look in their backyard and it's the exact same landscape. I know how they feel because I live in the heads of the liberal left here in Chicago, and they're constantly. I live there rent free, and they're constantly freaking out. Like, what is he saying? Why? What is Cass saying? And <laughs> they have to tweet and get their thumbs, Twitter thumbs, oiled up, and then they have to show Stacey Davis Gates that they did a good job. And uh, <laughs> it's so pathetic. It's really, it but is. you know what? It's not as pathetic as my beloved Chicago Bears or the beloved Chicago Fire. Yeah. John, the oh. Chicago Fire. I, even even if they're terrible, it was a good night out. You took us out with uh, your family the other night, and it was fan- a fantastic evening. We had well, dinner, they- and it was and the game, and it was beautiful, and it was a, a grand old two, time. Even if they were two, terrible, two to two, they were te- they should have won it, but they they tied it two to two, a draw, yeah, try one point. They didn't need to give that away, but you know, the next day. At least Jeff was there because the last year when we went together, right. Jeff, me, Betty, and Christine, it was the Soldier Field was like a hundred degrees. Yeah, we almost, we almost literally died. Yeah, it was right. brutal. And then what happened to the uh, the <laughs> right? And it was fireworks. So hot and humid. The after show fireworks program went off with with only one firework, and it was like, well, technical difficulties. Come back next year. A fizzling little fart of a fire cracker like that's all yeah. and it was gone yeah it was pathetic so who okay. do we have coming up Greg yeah, Hansen? So, yeah yeah so i mean cast and i you know give it our update here on what's going on but um we want to bring you uh, dr greg gansky who if you follow johncastnews.com which i'm sure you do and you should uh wrote a piece a couple of a weeks back 
over the summer about uh, parents and gender, quote unquote, gender affirming uh, medical procedures and surgeries and all that kind of stuff, and kind of picked apart the logic on it, and as in doing so, and the ethical natures of it, and in doing so, uh, got a little bit of pushback and a little bit of uh, flack from you know people as it happens. So he some some gave him flack, but I don't. Oh, think- some, yeah. Let's say I, I say a little. I mean, yeah. But he also got his point out that mm-hmm. questioning whether or not it was gender affirming care or child abuse. Right. And that- my my view, it's child abuse. I mean, when they're if they're eighteen years old or nineteen, and they're majority age, they want to do that to their bodies. Be be my guest. I'm not going to stop you. But mm-hmm. when you're a eight year old boy and your mommy is divorcing your dad her dad the daddy and she's angry and some the, some teacher starts talking to them about castration i don't think it's a wise move wait until the kids old enough to and to wreak your vengeance upon the father okay that's all i say say about that yeah, you know, I I'm a not a parent, and and it's it's a I, I can never you know I feel always feel off trying to impose no, my you know what's right you know it's yeah right no no but right or wrong but you're right my point my point underlying point being that this is one of those kind of obvious ones where I'm like uh, you know we don't let kids decide lots of things until they're fully you know aware and cognizant of what you know impacts and ramifications are we don't and we know kids don't brains don't fully develop until like the age of 25 and that you know, there are all sorts of crazy things that happen that can you know alter a child's you know mental stability later in life i feel this is not the the, the hill and the battle that people should be living and dying on it's it seems just crazy to me but you know, again not a parent i'm, so I'm gonna I, live I, I can see the parents being you know trying to make their case and say that they love their I, kid but i i i know they do and they want they want to say that and that's fine i don't you know what i'm where i want to live i want to live in the mind of stacy davis gates <laughs> and all her followers in ctu local one sure i think and all there. the left the left the left wing of the of chicago that's basically tearing Chicago up and tearing it apart. And uh, we have Greg Gansky coming up right now. There's uh, me and you and Jeff Carlin of WGN News and John Cass of johncassnews.com. And where are you? Where are you? With Stacey Davis Gates giving me mean tweets and Joe Biden's uh, wheels falling off his bus? You're on the Chicago Way podcast on WGN. So this is a guy who lives high on the hog and he has this Tammany Hall style attitude to power. And um, it is, it's the Chicago Way. Absolutely. Look, the, the, the Chicago Way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago Way. The Chicago Way. That's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand, defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river, Castle. 
is how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Reading the column by Greg Gansky that we posted at uh, John Cass News with permission from the Des Moines Register. Mother chooses life of baby over her own. How does this fit into the abortion debate? It was a heartbreaking story about a, a Dr. Gansky, Greg Gansky, former congressman and doctor, had to had a patient who had the Hobson's choice before her. She was suffering from cancer, and she had a she was pregnant, and she had to decide her life or the child's life, and uh, she chose heroically life. She chose her baby's life, as I think many, many, many mothers would do, most mothers would do. Uh, it's a terrible thing to have to choose, but and it was she had to do it. And Dr. Gansky, Greg Gansky, our, our, my friend and colleague and, and the writer of this column, did not know that years ago, um, my, our priests, um, my priests at the Holy Apostle Church, went through the same thing. His daughter, Sophia, had to uh, make that choice, that terrible choice between her own life and that of her baby, and she chose the baby. And so that's why, Dr. Gansky, I, uh, I, when, I, when Betty and I read this column, when we asked to repost it, I just want to thank you so much for standing up for life. Thank you so much, sir. Well, thanks for uh, republishing it. You know, as you mentioned, uh, your priest's daughter faced a similar situation. And since publishing the article, I received an email from a fellow plastic surgeon who had a patient that fit exactly the same situation. She was midway through her pregnancy. She... uh, developed breast cancer. Uh, The recommendation was that she start uh, chemotherapy and maybe radiation and other surgical treatment just immediately. Right. Uh, But this would have required then, uh, because the chemotherapy would have been uh, terrible for the life of the the baby, uh, would have required an abortion. And... um, so my patient, uh, as you say, made the decision not to undergo the, the immediate treatment for her breast cancer, but to go ahead and deliver the baby. The problem is that uh, in pregnancy, uh, you know, the hormones are very strong. Her tumor was hormone responsive, and the, the tumor just went crazy. And so she, after she delivered a normal, healthy, beautiful baby, not too long afterwards, uh, she passed away. And um, this is, you know, not a unique story. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it was heartbreaking. Because she already had um, a couple other children. So she left her husband with two young, with three young children, uh, a baby and uh, the other two children. Uh, you know, the, this, came to mind when I was watching the Republican 
presidential debate. And uh, most of the, uh, or at least a lot of the candidates had came out in favor of a federal 15-week ban on abortion, mm-hmm. with exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother. Um, and I started thinking about this, and it was in contrast to the Democrats who, when Nancy Pelosi was a, was a speaker, actually passed a bill that would have expanded abortion rights and forbid the um, limiting abortion to less than uh, 24 weeks or viability. I, I, I wanted to then look at the, the legal aspects of either choices. And it, it, it seems to me that there isn't really a constitutional now, after the Dobbs decision, a constitutional justification for either the Democrats passing their bill to expand abortion or the Republicans passing a, a national bill to restrict it. The, the uh, Supreme Court ruled uh, that this was not a, a constitutional uh, protection of, uh, of uh, protecting uh, that, that uh, the abortion issue was not in the Constitution. And furthermore, um, for many, many years as a congressman, I could see that the constitutional limits on federal action had been expanded under the Commerce Clause, which uh, had been for quite a while uh, used to expand federal authority in many different areas, but on sort of many times the flimsy excuse of this dealing, this being a matter of interstate commerce. I was on the Energy and Commerce Committee. Uh, Well, in the last, with this court in the last 10, 15, 20 years, that interpretation of the Commerce Clause has been significantly restricted to activities that are actually related to interstate commerce, which, of course, abortion is not. So the point of my article, besides telling, telling the, the heart-wrenching story, was basically to say that this is a lot of, the abortion issue is going to be a lot of sound and fury, meaning not much in the end. Uh, the Democrats are going to be pushing for a federal law f- to uh, not to, to expand abortion rights, Republicans uh, maybe to um, restrict them at a federal level, although that's a matter of some debate in the Republican Party. But when it, when it comes, when push comes to shove, I don't think that, uh, that either law will stand the test, uh, especially with this court, of being constitutional. So um, that that's something that I think that most people don't don't realize, and I also wanted to point out uh, in the article that under current law, state law across the entire country, all the various permutations of abortion law, my patient uh, would have been allowed to have had an abortion if she had chosen to. That is current law. So. 
The Democrats can't say that, well, you know, this would, the Republicans passing a law to ban abortion would have kept my patient from having a choice. In fact, there were com- some comments in the Des Moines Register that, uh, that this is just an example of Republicans wanting to limit a woman's choice. But in this case, because almost all state laws allow for an exception on abortion in order to save the life of the mother, that, uh, you know, this lady would have would would still have that choice. She just decided to choose the life of her baby rather than her own. And we've we've seen it uh, to your point, doctor, that that even Ohio, they're they're trying to push stronger and more aggressive, if you will, you know, anti-abortion laws. And there was a swing kind of back away from that a little bit. And and when you ask the average person, they don't really even I mean, and not, you know, I'm not us, the president's company excluded. But they, they they don't they know what they want, but they can't quite put it into words. And like you said, the legal standing doesn't seem to even be close to being. <laughs> I mean, the argument it's it's case and Dobbs. Even someone like a Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that 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 argument was flawed and had you know had real no no standing over the life or death question. It was really more about you're trying to be private and keep your your personal dealings to yourself. And and ultimately, that's what it fell. Do you see in Iowa? Because everyone talks about Iowa being you know a bellwether. Do you see uh, support? I mean, people are. You said you got some emails and some some feedback. What's the the mix there been like? The Iowa legislature, which is uh, Republican controlled, we have a strong Republican governor, passed a law that would limit abortion to the first six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, that is currently before the Iowa is heading to the Iowa Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. I, I predict that the court, which largely consists of Republican-appointed members, will, will not uphold a six-week ban mm-hmm. uh, for reasons that, um, among others, uh, some women or many women may not even know that they're pregnant at that time. Sure. Um, my recommendation uh, to the governor was that if the Iowa law is struck down, the six-week Iowa law is shut down, mm-hmm. then the, the Iowa legislature, she bring the Iowa legislature back into session and pass another law that would be, say, at 12 weeks or 15 weeks. And uh, so it's kind of up in limbo sure. here, here in Iowa, as it is in several other places. On another uh, subject, I, 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 by the way, personally, I agree with you, Doctor, that uh, Greg, that um, con- conservative, conservative principles will win out in this debate, and uh, the court may not very, very well in Iowa may not very well support a six-week ban. I, I just don't see that as viable either although i am 100 percent life i just understand the court the the court be the, the court and the constitution to be at odds here right you know that i wrote a an op-ed for the register before when the alito draft was leaked uh and i predicted that the supreme court would um uh do away with roe v wade um and 
I think that this whole issue of abortion and politics is kind of like the fourth rail of politics. So the third rail being Medicare, Social Security. The fourth is, <laughs> sure. <laughs> is abortion. Right. And it reminds me of when I was in Congress, Tom DeLay did an amendment. This was early on my first term. Did an amendment that would have taken away funding for OBGYN residences, residencies that taught their residents how to do a DNC. And <laughs> I, I am pro-life, but I'm also a physician. And I, uh, I, I said, this, this is kind of crazy because an OBGYN needs to know how to do, do a DNC, most of which are for non-abortion reasons, right. such as uh, taking care of a woman who had a miscarriage. And so I went around to my colleagues explaining this. And I'll never forget when I went in to see Pat Roberts, who was a chairman of the Ag Committee and a good friend, pretty witty guy. He became a, a senator from Kansas. Um, and I'm explaining this to the abortion, this issue, this aspect of abortion uh, legislation. And he said, you know, Greg, what you're saying, it makes perfect sense. I understand what you're saying, but you know, when I first came to Congress, this abortion issue was, you know, like a little meandering, slow stream. And now it's become a raging torrent. And so everyone is in, in their own little boat. You're either jump to what the pro-life people say, or you jump to what the, the pro-choice people say, and you don't dare get out of your boat because you'll drown in that raging torrent. Sure. And um, and then I had the uh, a spokes lady for the, the executive director from the Iowa Right to Life group come in and see me, and she said, Dr. Kansky, we understand what you're saying. Uh, we appreciate that. We just would hope that you don't take the lead on this. <laughs> well, I said, I think I have an obligation to explain something about what this is re would really have an effect on. And um, so I went ahead and I opposed it on the floor and, uh, and I lost on the floor, but I won the war because when it went to the Senate and then a conference, the delay provision was dropped. But, uh, but you know, even though I had a 90% plus pro-life rating um, at some time, at one time in the future, when I ran for the Senate, I had a primary opponent, and um, he kind of picked up on the fact that I just wouldn't jump one way or the other, but would look at the issue and that what it meant. Um, that maybe hurt me a little bit in that race, but that's okay, you know. I didn't go to Congress to be there for life, and um, that's the definition of being <laughs> Iowa nice. That's yes. Iowa nice. There it is. But listen, you also get, you see, you can't help but get yourself involved in controversies. The other, a while ago, I heard you on our friend Dan Prof's radio program talking about another column that uh, you wrote at John Cass News. Is it science or child abuse? Part two 
because there was part one. And part two is also about America clinging to the delusion, that's my editorializing, that uh, it is not child abuse as we go through, force them to go through gender-affirming care in terms of surgery for children. Like, um, one of those gruesome procedures, I can't even say Mm -hmm. them on, on the morning. But um, you you also brought that subject up and went after it. And uh, I just want to say, for a guy who's so Iowa nice, you seem to end up into controversies all the time. (laughs) Well, I I guess I would take an independent stand sometimes for my own party. But on this issue of uh, uh, gender uh, changing, some people call it gender affirming. I would not. But they that, do. That's, yeah. that's that's a bad yeah. term, but Jumbo on, this, on this issue, look, I mean, I bet you and I and Jeff agree that if somebody is an adult and they make the decision that they want to change their gender identity and their physical aspects, right? you know, and they're an go adult ahead. and they go look ahead. into it, fine, go ahead. The problem that I see that I wrote about was that you know, their children are being identified, quote unquote, and then being led into treatment as minors and uh, and, you know, having their breasts removed or uh, being castrated uh, as minors. Yeah. And uh, I, I think there's quite a bit of evidence coming out that uh, this type of grooming um, is going to be very detrimental uh, to people and that we start are starting to see many, many of these people uh, after they become adults and they change their minds. Unfor- unfortunately, uh, some of the surgery is irreversible. And so, some of it, some of it can't, you know, much of it can't be reversed. Exactly. And then, and then they, th- what happens is people crack up. You know, I don't know what the medical terminology is for cracking up, but they, and with access to weapons, the guns, sometimes they grab them. And I, I, I'm worried about what happened in, where was it, Nashville, Tennessee, just a few months ago, where the, the young, young woman or former woman who became a man or something, or vice versa, I, that's confusing, but shot, shot at a Christian church, uh, school, killing uh, several children. Right, and we still don't know. She wrote a manifesto, and and she still, we still don't know. We haven't read it. It hasn't been released because I don't know why. What you can't release something because it's probably not politically correct. Yeah, exactly. Sure. I, I mean, it, it's. I think the the scarier thing, Doctor, and I'd love to get your take on this. Is it you've you've got these stories popping up around the country of schools. Where you know a kid says something at school, and then a teacher and, and a quote unquote advocate hears it, and then the next thing you know, the kids go being told to go into the boys' bathroom or the you know an alternate bathroom, yeah, and right. they're they're hiding it from the parents because the parent they know the parents aren't going to agree with that maybe the decision, and then the parents are being held in contempt for not supporting their child and losing access to the child. Uh, how how does that even make sense? How do we even get to the point where that logic is is useful? There are some things going on in the country that are I never thought I would see that are so cr- 
crazy that uh, it, almost every day something mm -hmm. comes up that makes you shake your head. At least we in Iowa, a lot of us shake our heads. Um, and it, it, I have a 94-year-old mother. I was with her yesterday watching the Iowa-Iowa State football game, <laughs> and she was bringing up some of these same issues that that we have been talking about and just shakes her head. She just can't can't believe that these things are happening. And uh, so my my response is, you know, you do what you can do. And um, not all of us are in positions of power where we can pass legislation or do things like that. But we can talk to our friends. Yeah. Some people are afraid. Some people are afraid to to talk about any of this. They feel very badly that we're heading in the wrong direction. But but I know doctors. A lot of doctors will not talk about this gender issue with their colleagues because they might lose their jobs uh, and and be and be labeled uh, transphobes. Uh, it, it's it's uh, really pernicious. And that's why I appreciate uh, your column, uh, uh, John, because, well, you tackle these issues. And, uh, and besides being a great writer, <laughs> I enjoy reading your column. Every I day. think, I think uh, once, I, once I was freed from the socialists at uh, the Chicago <laughs> Tribune, it became more of a, I became more of a, a free man. And uh, there's one thing about free men, doctor. When you see them in a steakhouse and they collapse on a sidewalk <laughs> in the South Street, it's always good to have uh, two physicians next to you to protect you and and Chris Chelios to protect <laughs> you from yourself. I, I have well, to thank you very much for that. Well, we were just ecstatic uh, when we saw you in the emergency room afterwards uh, that you were doing fine. And uh, You're so yeah. kind. Maybe your chemicals were just a little off, but whatever. Uh, you know that was a that was a really fun dinner, and we really appreciated it. It really it really opened my eyes, Jeff, to see here's the gentleman, Doctor Gansky, very <laughs> kind, gentle, Iowa nice, and then in the emergency room, he's like peppering the physicians with questions like about this sodium, that levels, and all sure. that. He's hitting them with all sorts of questions like taking command of the starship enterprise behind the starship <laughs> you know not really a, like a leaky vessel you yes, know that's castle yeah <laughs> that's it castle like popped a few leaks but thanks so, thanks so much thanks so much oh you're doctor, welcome doctor thanks for being here on the chicago way and thank you for writing that column and i look forward to your next offering and uh i can't wait to read it and thanks so much for everything well, keep up the good work, John. Okay, doctor. Thank you. Thanks, right. Greg. Bye. Bye. For Greg Gansky, former congressman, physician, plastic surgeon, and writer. For Jeff Carlin, executive producer at WGN Radio and friend of cats, friend of pies, blah, blah, blah. He's a wonderful man and all that. And Blackhawk fan who thrills to the mention of 
Chris Chelios anytime I can squeeze it in. So that's why I squeeze squoze it <laughs> in, into the uh the story about me on the sidewalk and for me john cass husband father editor-in-chief of john cass news greek orthodox christian and uh i was a friend of bill shiganos my priest and when greg gansky wrote that column i thought of his daughter sophia thanks for joining us and talk to you next time on another edition of the chicago way podcast on wgn plus